0: This is Corolla Digital.
1: And it's Resume. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Chris Laxamana, and this is the show where we take a look into the job history of uh, some really notable people. And I'm very excited to introduce my next guest to you. With me, I have Dan Soupy Campbell, uh, singer of the band The Wonder Years, the rock band The Wonder Years. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I like this music. Thanks. It's, uh, it's I know kind of it kind of goes on for a little bit. It's gonna end like any second now. Do you want to just leave it on for the whole show? Yeah, we we'll can, just let it loop behind loop it. everything. Yeah, let me just let me find a, a good head and tail there, and we'll just we'll let, just it, let go it go the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Well, just a nice little background music. It'll just drone, out of lull in everyone into like delta brainwaves. Yeah, and you won't even know it's happening fifteen minutes in. <laughs> yeah, it'll, just, it'll sound like just like one fish song. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Wonder Years, uh, rock band, pop punk.
2: Would you sure. say yeah? I know yeah.
1: it's uh I know genres are, are a weird thing for for everybody. Yeah, to... for
2: for most musicians, genre is like yeah, whatever you want, whatever makes you happy. I'm, okay. I'm not concerned with it. L-
1: well, let me let me tell you about um, my history with pop punk music. Okay, uh, just just so people um, would understand why I'm so excited to have you here. But before that, I want to let you know about their new album, the band's new album, No Closer to Heaven.
2: It's out September 4th. You can pre-order it now. September 4th. You can get it now. Uh... Via merch now, if you want, or Target has it. Um, they're gonna have it in stores starting September fourth. For it'll be on sale for nine ninety nine. And actually, Target has two bonus tracks. Uh, or you could get it at your local record store, which we love, and go support them. Yeah. Um, or iTunes, or I don't know, steal it. I don't. <laughs> I mean, don't. But if you do, I don't. I'm, that's the last last resort. Yeah, I would prefer that you don't, but I'm not the cops.
1: No, so support. Just support them. Uh, no closer to heaven. I've heard a few tunes off off this uh, album, and it's a concept album. So I heard them out of context. I feel.
2: Yeah, it's it's not a concept album in the sense that like uh, like I was just listening to the the new Defeater record, and that is a concept album in that it, it's telling one story. Um, this is like it's a collection of songs that all speak to uh, one larger theme. So it, it's almost mm-hmm. like. It's an album with a thesis, because nobody really listens to
1: whole albums anymore, um, which which is why I, I see more people just releasing singles mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. time, and this a song will sound completely different if you hear it in context with all the other songs that were with it
2: I think I agree, and we we tend to not try to write a single like we're not really interested in writing singles, we're interested in writing cohesive records because that's the way we've always consumed music. Um, we were never the kind of people that, that only listened to a single. We loved whole albums, um, and so we like to make whole albums yeah. that feel like albums.
1: And some of the the best albums in, ever created were created just like that, where it's it's a whole concept, it's a whole idea, and then they're just songs used to express that one theme.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, so pop punk, I grew up listening to pop punk, um, Blink. My first concert was a blink Two show.
2: Was it the one with bad religion in Phoenix, TX? No, I w- that was my first one.
1: Really? Yeah. Oh no, mine was I was uh, I didn't go to concerts <clears throat> till a lot later in life, and the first one I went to, it was they had the big fuck sign lit up in fire <laughs> right behind them, and like I went with my mom. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so she didn't. Yeah, she she had no idea what we were getting into, and I, I didn't even know really at the time, and it was uh I think New Found Glory opened for them, and Sum Forty One was supposed to play. But because of nine eleven, they moved uh, the tour, so Sum 41 couldn't play anymore, and Midtown played instead, but it was still a great show.
2: Yeah, I actually, I mean, I love Midtown. I think that that would have been, you know, no disrespect to Sum 41, who's a great <laughs> band, I think I would have preferred Midtown. Yeah. Um, th- Rob, that- Rob, their drummer, was uh, one of the earliest supporters, supporters of our band. Um, the first ever record, he runs a record label, he's he was the first ever record label to, to reach out to us, was the drummer of Midtown, so... Yeah, it's just I'll, such a
1: tight community.
2: I love Midtown. I've always I loved that I love band.
1: Midtown too. Great songs, great voice and um so Blink One Eight Two is kind of like my gateway band into mm-hmm. more uh rock music. So and they like introduced me to you know what would what I would eventually identify as melody, hooks, uh, you know, and, and just like really great pop rock songs. Uh Starting Line, which who's from Philly, just like you guys. Starting
2: Line are aren't even just from Philly, they're from like the next suburb over. Uh, and so when I was in high school hearing, cause when they started their singer, Kenny was, was a, like a junior in high school or maybe like a sophomore. And then by the time he was a junior, he was able to leave high school because they, they let him graduate by taking like classes concurrently or something. This was all like urban legend to us. <laughs> it was like the guy from the high school next to ours got to leave high school and now he's on tour with Newfound Glory and it's like the coolest thing in the world. And, uh and that was a little bit of what made it seem like it was possible to be in a band as like a profession was the fact that it was happening right next to us and so they were a really cool thing for us to look up to and uh we got to play the 10 year anniversary show for uh say it like you mean it and that was a really cool experience for us
1: i was at i was at that show
2: at the house of blues the one okay so we did the one in uh they did two at the electric factory and we did the the other one and and it was kind of like a, a touching moment for us when Kenny gave a, a nice speech about you know two bands from the Philly suburbs doing yeah. what no one thought we were supposed to do or allowed to do or able to do.
1: Yeah, because um, the reason why I was so excited to have you because it's such an odd job. Like I, I use jobs in air quotes to have yeah. um, as you know singing in a rock band, a pop punk band, um, c- because a lot of pop punk bands now. I mean, they they come out of high school. Like it's like. Uh, you know, like Kobe Bryant or, or Lebron, like straight <laughs> out of, you know, straight out of high school. Don't no, you know? You don't, you don't really... have to play a year in college anymore. No, yeah. <laughs> I remember when I went to the, the starting line show here. I went to that ten year reunion because a lot of what's happening now is a lot of bands are coming back because uh, their albums from ten years ago they'll play it from front to back. Yeah. So they play uh, say it like you mean it from front to back, and it was so funny when the curtains opened up. Uh, the first thing Kenny said was like,
2: "Wow, everybody has beards." <laughs> yeah he was, said something like that and uh at the philly show was like huh everyone's older and fatter now huh yeah
1: it's so <laughs> yeah. weird and i remember uh one guy was crowd surfing and he fell and uh and i think got knocked unconscious and so the security guards were like pushing everybody away trying to make room for this guy on, on the uh, floor and people my age like i'm i'm 29 but i, I mean I, I if i shaved i'd look like i was 18 they were running up like oh i'm a doctor another guy like i'm a nurse and the security guard's like what because we're all just like in t-shirts and and what shoes and And, and then you think oh wait yeah i guess they are like that guy would be a doctor like yeah here's my card make sure his neck's supported and like this unconscious guy had three or four doctors helping him until the ambulance finally came it was it's a great situation every show should have that we could have actually done that is there a doctor here and somebody would have said oh yeah that's me totally unironically do that gag (laughs) um and you know, my favorite
2: albums uh, growing up brand new, uh Deja and I just bought that uh the vinyl of that um like three days ago. Yeah. But it's, it's it's like totally people are like, Oh my god, where did you find it? It's there's like the secrets out, it's just in print now. Like yeah. it's not like a, it's no longer like a special limited thing. They just they're just they exist and you can just go to your record store and get it.
1: Yeah, it's actually the background of my Oh wow, look background. at that. Yeah.
2: These are albums that I was able to
1: listen to front to back. Um, Mm -hmm. what I think it makes a good album no skip over tracks like you can just let the whole thing play out and and just really be in the moment listening to it and I mean there's no other kind of music out there where I think uh, people just when you're when you're in the audience just the sing-alongs like everybody's arms are up in the air and everybody
2: knows every word to every song and you all feel unified it's very communal for sure I keep nodding along to the things you're saying but this is like there's no video of this Oh yeah! So it's just, you're just talking, and there's just, I'm just silently nodding in approval. <laughs> nobody can nobody can see your winks, Dan. I should put the beard closer to it so that it like brushes <laughs> on the windscreen as like I nod, like you get like a little like. I, I don't, don't even know mean, if that picked up. <laughs> that means Dan approves. All right,
1: but let's talk about your band, The Wonder Years. Sure. I want to introduce people to it. Uh, if we can just maybe just talk about how the formation and how how you guys uh, came up in in this kind of scene, because uh there it's not as big as
2: as it used to be or maybe it's even bigger i don't know but for me it hasn't it's a different it's, a, it's, it's just different. It's different um it used to be that bands like ours would get radio play and and they were on trl and and played arenas it's different than that but for us we uh we were all parts of different bands in the same kind of local music community like this this local scene and. We would play shows together uh, at the Boys and Girls Club or the VFW Hall or someone's parents' basement or or whatever. And um, we were all just finished high school and everyone was going to college and it was summer. And uh, our bass player Josh is like, "Hey, do you guys want to start a band tomorrow? Just for tomorrow, just for tomorrow. It was just going to be fun for a day. We just well, just session. kill a day." So we got together in uh, our drummer's basement and we wrote a song and we're like, "Okay, that was." cool, that was fine, and our guitar player had the ability to record that song, and we were just like, let's just, we'll just put it on the internet, and it's a joke, it was, everything was a joke, the song was about astronauts, everything was supposed to be a joke, and this was, we were all in like, and you can't see the air quotes, so I'm going to say air quote, we were in these quote, uh, like serious bands that we really were like, these are the bands that, that we're in, and this is our joke side project, and um, we'll put the song up, and our friends will laugh, and maybe we'll play a local show once, play this one song, and that'll be that. And that's exactly what we did. We recorded the song, we put it on the internet, our friends thought it was funny. Um, but some of them were like, This is actually a pretty it's actually a pretty good song. But we you know, we just thought it was a, a funny thing and uh and what we would do is like when other bands would finish, they would give us their guitars and we would play that one song in between sets. Because it there was no there were no rules. I was booking half the shows with, yeah. uh, with our friend Mike, and we were so we just did whatever we wanted. And then I was uh we were sitting in class and kind of getting like the itch to to say like, we should write like two more, so that we could put them on a little burn CD and that way when we we do this like when we jump on these shows we can give people the little burn CD and uh and so we were like okay well, there's two more funny songs one about cowboys and one about ninjas and that's that um and so we did that and we were for a little bit we were just a, a joke band that would just hop on shows and we would play our three songs and we had our serious bands and we were in college and that's what and and we all had jobs and and that was that and then uh i was trying to start a record label and i wanted to put out a split cd with two bands um and one of the two bands dropped off like they're like we can't do it and so we're like well well, i need another band for the split and i was like well i'm in this this joke band and we'll just write a couple more songs and we'll put them on this split. And, uh, and we did that. And we started mailing it out to people, not, not for us, but because I was, it was the record label, and I was like, that, this is my job as the owner, and this is, again, in air quotes, of a record label. <laughs> I need to send this CD out to get reviewed. <clears throat> and the reviews were coming back really positive. And it was, we were <laughs> like, what the fuck? These are our joke songs. Yeah. We the liked astronaut- doing them. These were we moved on from that set and these were four new songs. Um and they were also ridiculous. Just for fun. Yeah. They were about uh the state of New Jersey and uh the crocodile hunter and and uh we were like, people like these and we we're like you know it'll be fun? Let's go on a tour for a weekend. And so I I worked and we booked us a little tour, we played other people's VFW halls and basements. And then we kinda kept doing that. And the buzz was kind of growing, and a label reached out, and we were like, what the fuck is happening? These are the joke songs. We have real bands. Sign the real bands. No one wanted those. <laughs> um, so all of a sudden, we kind of realized, like, well, this is our, our, probably our only shot at doing this. And we never thought it was going to be a job. We just thought, maybe we'll get to go on tour all the way to California. Because that was kind of like the, the untouchable dream. Like, a lot of bands from our our area had done little, tiny, little tours. And they had made it to the Midwest. But very few bands made it out to California. Uh, and so that was the, kind of our next goal. And we wrote a record. We put it out. And we toured. We took a semester off of college. And we toured out to California. And it went really well, <laughs> for us at least. You know, now it would be a disaster. But at the time, it was like, there are 20 people here. 20. That's Double digits. they yeah. And they know the words. What are they doing? I don't – what's happening? Um, and that was just kind of what – it just worked like that forever. It was this perpetual machine of, well, what if we take one more baby step forward? Like what if the goal is just a little bit higher and can we reach that and kind of reaching those small goals? And after that, we decided we were going to kind of – if we were going to tour more, we would like to play songs that meant something to us. And so we started writing those instead. Instead of joke songs, we started writing kind of more real songs. Yeah. And we put out a couple seven inches like that. And we did. Mo- we started touring every college break. And we would tour every weekend. Um, and it, it got to this crazy point where we were, I was like, taking like 18 credits. And I was working. And we were on tour every weekend or almost every weekend, every other weekend of the semester. And then the semester would end. And the day the semester would end, we were in the van and we were going on tour. And we did, during this period of time where we were still full-time students and still had jobs, we were doing, we had done the U.S. like three times. We had done England three times. We had done Russia. Uh, and I was booking all of it. Um, it was just this DIY touring. And, um, <clears throat> and then we decided, okay, well, things are going pretty well. And we're about to finish college. So let's write a record, and before we go use our degrees and get jobs, let's give it a shot, give it the old college try, and uh, and it worked. <laughs> um, we just we we had a lot of rough patches, but we worked really really hard, and and we we dealt with all that, and it became our job.
1: What what it's, what sounds to me is that when you were doing the joke songs, mm-hmm. um, what really showed was. You guys had chemistry because you're able to write those songs really quickly and and they actually turned
2: out to be good. Yeah, the the songwriting between all of us just was kind of working. Like it was just like, oh, these guys we just we just had so much fun together and we just enjoyed doing it so much that I think it showed.
1: Yeah, and I think when 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 that happens it really shows in the music and there's there's just there's less stress having to worry about uh like the creativity Probably because like you you trust each other. You guys
2: you guys have finally built a, a weird and trust. it didn't matter if anyone liked it or not because we weren't trying to do anything. It was just <laughs> this is just funny for us. This is just fun, and so it didn't. We didn't have to think about like well will people like it if we do this or this or this or that. It was just fuck it. Let's just write songs we like, and it'll, it'll be fun. And you're talking about
1: going to college at the mm-hmm. same time and working. Yeah, and touring in. You also have to think, like you have to write these songs. So I mean, you're always moving. You're always doing
2: something. You know what was what's it's great for exhausting. writing songs is bad jobs, are like the ultimate for that, and that's where we would end up writing a lot of it. it was like, um, a lot of the stuff happened when I was I was working at a retirement home, and I was just like a like a like a cook, I guess, but like without like the skills of being a cook, like I guess. I just was kind of like an assistant, like a prep cook uh, at this retirement yeah. home, because um, they have dining rooms in in most retirement homes, and they come down and they get served as though it's a restaurant, and it is a restaurant. It's just run by idiot teenagers. Um, and I that you know you when you're mindlessly because I my big thing there was uh, once I had gotten once they realized like because really for a job like that the most important thing for you is that they trust you to show up to work yeah because so many people were like just no call no show six times a week so once they realized that i was going to actually show up to work they moved me to um my job was there was a separate promoted you. kind of yeah kind of i kind of got promoted just by being there but i'm a by terrible existing. i'm a terrible cook awful but there's a separate area um the separate wing for uh patients that need or or uh residents that need a lot more help so they either have Alzheimer's or something else where they need like a constant nursing and um and so my job was to prepare the food for that wing and I would I would have my own little area and it was mostly pureeing things Like most of yeah, my we're, job where's some of the dishes where's some of the menu items most of the job was just literally just pureeing food it was just whatever it was that night I had to figure out how to puree but sort some of the things blender. some things are really hard like a steak is not an easy thing to puree because when you chop it up, it just becomes little tiny, like it basically becomes ground beef. But mm-hmm. they still can't eat ground beef; it has to be smooth like ice cream. So then you have to they add water. You can't sip to it, it through a straw. Then you have to add water to it, and it can't be that liquidy either. The oh. they can't they can't sip it through a straw because then if there's still like a danger there, it has to be like the, basically the consistency of ice cream. So then you add water to it, and then then it becomes like really liquidy, and then you add thickener to it, and it's really gross. Or you, we had to do <laughs> fish doesn't puree well either, so you put Notice. fish in but then also like liquid egg and like a little bit of milk and it becomes like a like a fish frittata like, of some sort or like a fish quiche kind of yeah. and then you put it in the steamer and it rises up and and so my job was to puree all of this food and bring it down to this other ward <laughs> but uh that was – what was great about that part of it was it was kind of on my own schedule. Like as long as I had all of the food made by – like I got in at three as long as it was all made by five, I was golden. You start serving at five. So I could kind of pace myself and, and then I would end up, like chop – I mean you know, I would sit there at the cutting board cutting up because like certain people needed it different ways. So you would need a pureed or certain uh, people would just need it in small cubes so they could pick it up with their fingers and eat mm-hmm. it in bite-sized things. So I'm sitting there chopping up chicken breast and, and writing songs. Um <laughs> Or, uh, before that job and before this band, I worked at Chuck E. Cheese, um, in the suburbs. I worked at this, this, like, suburban Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I, I was every job there. How old were you? I, I was, uh, 18 and 19. And I did every job at Chuck E. Cheese. I, um... Pureed the pizzas Pureed the pizzas i made the pizza <laughs> i definitely made the pizza uh i you know I, I ran the register and i would run birthday parties but my i was i guess cuz i'm kind of like a natural performer uh that's just like you know it's obvious in my job now mm-hmm. i was a really good chucky um and so they would put me in the mouse suit and they would send me out to birthday parties and i was like i was so determined to make sure that they were the best birthday parties and so it's, there's like a dance you could do but it was just kind of like half-assed like um you know you pretend to be baking a cake or, or whatever and i would get on stage with the animatronic things and like jump and like 360 in the air off the stage and like get on people's tables <laughs> it's really ham it up i would really do it i was a great i was i actually i got a they made a video and they sent it into corporate because that was like everyone was supposed to do that at every store and i won like regional best chucky and I got a gift card for TGI Fridays that ended up not working. <laughs> um, so I had that job, and I quit that job ex- like literally just because they they made me shave, and I didn't want to anymore. Um, they made you
1: shave when you had a Chucky mask on. Oh, because, I guess because
2: you worked the register. Yeah, I did work the register, and and they they wanted you to be clean shaven for it. And mm. I hated it. I hated doing it. And uh, and I had the offer to go work at the retirement home, so I left Chucky Cheese and I went to the retirement home. But when I moved, uh, i switched schools i I ended up finishing my degree at temple university in philly and i moved down to south philly and i needed a job real fast and there was a Chuck E. cheese in south philly and i was like well I'll, i'll take this job and it was just so crazy poorly run at the time um what's this is a kind of a total tangent on this please but my old roommate richie who's like my best friend uh worked at an arcade when he was, like, 13 and learned how to, like, really fix arcade machines. And so when I worked at the, that first Chuck E. Cheese, he was like, can I get a job as the game room attendant? And I was like, yeah, sure. And the game room attendant's job is you undo coin jams. Yeah. And you Ticket put jams. tickets yeah. in. yeah. You don't fix the video games. That's the tech's job. Um, Just You have the key that opens yeah. the thing. And- but we're there one day early and the store tech is trying to fix a game and he can't get it. And Richie walks over and goes, move. <laughs> And this 17-year-old kid fixes the game. And they're like, what? And he's like, I could fix every game in this place. And then ended up getting a job. And now he runs, like, 12 Chuck E. Cheese's as their tech. He's, like, the regional tech. It's, like, super high up in the company. And so now he, one of his stores for a while was that one in South Philly that I worked at. And so now it's run really well. But at the time, it was run really yeah. poorly. None and of the games worked. None of the games worked was one of the things. But it was also, like, um, I remember, and this is a really gross story, but I— Please. So every night, if you've ever worked in a kitchen, and I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like for people, I worked at a T.J. Fridays. So. Okay, so I feel like for people that like do like kind of, or everyone had, especially people in like bands or or people. I find people that that work in like creative fields. You had to have one of like kind of three kinds of jobs. You either worked in food, mm-hmm. or you worked retail, or you worked labor, and those were the three things that people did, um, kind of to make money while you tried to pursue the, your your dreams, right? And so, if you work kitchens, you probably know that the dishwasher comes apart, and there are pieces of the dishwasher that you clean out every night. And the big, like, they push through. It's like a basket that catches all of like the food. Yeah. And there's a thing that always gets called the dildo because it looks like a dildo, and it sprays water. And it's like how it's like concentrates the spray of the water, and like a couple other like little grates. And all the dishes that were coming out, and I had just started at this place, and I was like, "Why are all these dishes dirty? And People were like, well, "I don't know." And I was like, "Well, when's the last time you you took apart the, the dishwasher?" And they're like, "Or when I, I said, when's the last time you cleaned it?" They're like. It's a dishwasher. It cleans itself. <laughs> and I was like, no, but when's the last time you took it apart? And they were like, it comes apart. Oh, man. And I was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just backed up and awful. Um, oh, God. And, like, I, and the, the clientele were uh, like angrier. Like I remember at the end of the night, we'd be like, okay, it's, it's the Chuck E. Cheese is closing, and like, but we still have tokens. I'm like, well, bring them back another time. And they're like, no, we're not leaving. And like fights would break out, and um, and it just—I I remember people eating at Chuck like, E. Cheese. Yeah, all the time. Actually, we had to. I, I only worked there for three weeks, and we had to call the cops three times uh, for three different brawls at Jeez. Chuck E. Cheese. Um, and I and I remember that. Th- and this was also, it was, but this was another great place for me to write songs. Is I would just walk around and just pick up people's plates and stuff, and mm-hmm. I, I would just write. You kind of tune out a little bit, and yeah, because the job is is mindless, yeah. Um, so I would just kind of clean things up as I wrote songs. And I was pretty sure that I had gotten another job. I'd interviewed for it and a job that I really wanted. And it was February, and I had to ride my bike to this. It was so cold, and it was like 2 a.m. And in between Chuck E. Cheese and where I lived was a really bad neighborhood, and I was already bummed that I had to ride through it at like 2 in the morning and it's freezing cold and there's snow everywhere. And I go to, un- to like take out the last trash can. And no one emptied it all day. So it's like – and it's filled with soda. People are just throwing oh, cups of soda in there. So I take it out back heavy. and it's super heavy. And I'm trying to get in the dumpster and I'm swinging it. And I'm like, okay, one, two. And on two, when it got to the back half of the swing, the bag explodes and just shoots trash all over the snow. And oh, I, I went into the so boss. It's so defeating. I went into the Defeat. boss and it was like, the, no one emptied the trash all day. And the, the trash bag exploded into the snow. He's like, Well, what are you gonna do? <laughs> I was like, I I guess I quit. Yeah, I quit. <laughs> and I got my bike out and I rode home and that was the end of it. And the next day I ended up getting like my favorite job that I've ever had other than this one. So That's So symbolic. it worked out. Yeah, it really worked out. <laughs> Yeah, that was, um,
1: that was the last uh last draw. Yeah,
2: and then that was the literally. the job that I had after that was the job that I had all through college. I was I taught an after school program uh in Center City for uh first and second graders and that was the coolest job ever. I I loved it. And I actually now in between tours I still go back there and just volunteer my time and hang out with those kids oh, and cool. uh that was it's it was an awesome job and I got to use all of the skills that I was learning in, in school cuz I was going to be a teacher and um and you know, and try to make a difference in in kids' lives, and uh, and I loved that. And I didn't get a lot of songwriting done because I was way busier. Yeah, the focus this time. Uh, yeah, this was a job where I really had to put some time and effort into it. But uh, I yeah, so I switched from chicken Cheese to that, and that was what I was doing.
1: Th- those old crappy jobs that you had. The only thing, like when I worked my crappy job, the only thing I thought about was I got to get out of here. Oh Every yeah. Every day was what can I do to get out of here? I mean, sadly, it didn't go as quickly as I always wanted it to. Um and like when i when i was in bands back then like i would you know i would work at a tj fridays i probably would have uh, accepted your gift card based yeah. on uh, your merit and uh, your honest looks but i you know you would have your your checkbook and you would take an, you would take orders and i would have one side i would take orders like one piece of paper and the other side i had lyrics oh yeah and i would always just like write lyrics and some of my songs had food items in it cuz i i
2: mix them up but i mean if you listen to some of the earlier one of your stuff there's there's a, a lyric that's literally Uh, It says, I have this job that equates swallowing shit where I puree food for dementia patients. That's an actual (laughs) verbatim lyric. I I haven't sung that song in forever, but I think so. What was was funny, too, is uh, at that point in time, you didn't have voice notes on your phone? No. I had, like, a T-Mobile sidekick for a lot of that. So I would be like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. And I would (laughs) call myself and leave a voicemail with, like, lyric ideas so that I wouldn't forget them.
1: Just you just hear
2: singing coming out of the stall. Yeah, next like, what's happening? <laughs> that was that's like a like the most classic terrible job thing is where you go hide in the bathroom and pretend like you're pooping for like forty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> you come back and your boss is like, "What's wrong?" You're like, "I don't know, man. Uh, bad sushi or something."
1: Yeah, you got you got to kind of plant the seed, like, "Oh, my stomach hurts," not and then you great. do it. Um, Or like when uh, you knew you had to, you want to play hooky one day, you would go to the office and do you have any Advil or something? Like, I'm not feeling too hot, hot right, right now. Yeah. And then you're gone the next day, like, oh, I guess he wasn't feeling good the day before. So, uh, that,
2: that's- we, when we first started touring, our, uh, our keyboard player at the time, Mikey, <coughs> excuse me, Mikey uh, worked at like Uno's Pizzeria. And we left for a tour, and he forgot that he had to work that day, and his boss started <laughs> calling him. And he was like, well, I can't call out now. It's way too late. My shift should have already started. So I picked up the phone. And I was like, hello, who is this? And he was like, it's Mike's boss. Who is this? And I was like, oh, it's his friend Dan. Uh, he left his phone at my house earlier. He's like, well, where is he? I'm like, he got really sick at my house and li- like like, he-, he left in like a, a – he vomited at my place and then left really quick and he forgot his cell phone. I'm sorry. He must not have had his phone to call call you, but he's, he's definitely not feeling good. <laughs> Smooth try yeah that's that's a that's,
1: that's a good one, one better, for yeah better
2: excuses if you have a, a job that you don't want to go to wait till your boss calls you let your friend answer and tell him that that's that's
1: brilliant yeah you're there welcome you everyone listening. yeah there's a tip for everybody who doesn't want to go to work tomorrow
2: yeah which so. i
1: probably is almost everybody yeah
2: <laughs> so everybody use it because you only get to use it once it won't work again yeah that's not going to work a couple times make sure you save that one for a good one
1: i've yeah i've seen some i've heard some pretty elaborate ones like uh like, one guy said something about he – it was so detailed, this story, when he was telling – I, I listened to him tell the boss because he came in the next day. And it was – it was. A, he told me afterwards it was a complete lie, but something about, like, he saw two guys get into a fight. One guy's head hit the curb. He was bleeding all over the place. I had to wait for him for, for the ambulance to show up and then talk to the cops afterwards. And it was, it was so detailed. Yeah, that's – It was brilliant. Should you know, a, a good
2: – a classic one is just my train – like, I missed my train. Like, because I used to for a little while, I was still commuting to Temple, and I would I still worked down in the suburbs, and I'd just be like, oh, I just I my class ran late, and I missed my train. And yeah. they're like, Well, when's the next train? Like, it's in an hour. <laughs> like, I'm I would get there, but I'd only be there for like the cleanup of the night. Like, it's not worth it for me to come. And they'd be like, oh, Okay, yeah, I could come if you want, but I, that if job you, if you need me, I, I like beefed with my bosses at that spot, like, uh, Which but one? like at the at the for, or this at the retirement home, okay. um, where like. I don't know, it just when you work those jobs and you realize like there's so many more of them and they don't give a shit why you got fired from the last one and I would just you know you don't care about the job there's uh I was like 19 or 20 but the people that waited at the tables were like 15 year olds it was like the first job that you could get really because mm-hmm. they were like one of the few people that would take you under 16 and the boss was like the their boss this guy Larry was like really bullying these kids like really yelling at them and I was just like, "Hey, Larry, shut the fuck up, man! They're kids." And he was just like, "Uh, I uh," but like didn't
1: do anything about it. And yeah. then I uh, usually usually that's what happens because they don't. Yeah, they're, they're getting they're used back.
2: to being able to tell a fifteen year old whatever and not yeah. get any shit back. And I was like, "Hey, you're being an asshole." That was so I didn't really ever worry about calling out because like I, I was usually like the most dependable person. Like I really like I was 10 minutes early here, and even mm-hmm. with L.A. traffic. Like, I I like being on time. I like doing the thing that I'm supposed to do and doing it correctly. Um, so when I called out, I didn't really ever feel bad about it. That's a funny job. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. because No, I it's definitely that. I mean, I worked at two of those. I My first job was at a retirement home, too, and I was a dishwasher, which was way worse. Uh, I actually almost died at that job on Christmas. I had to go in. It was my first every year having a job and i was 15 and i had to go into work on christmas cuz someone still needs to feed everybody there the dining room is closed mm-hmm. but the like the people are still there the yeah. personal oh, care nice. wards are still open and they still need their food and i was trying to get out early and this is kind of a hard thing to explain without showing you but we had all these big carts and i loaded them all into the elevator and i was trying to fit one more little cart in and so i crammed it in and then i got in behind it but the elevator door started shutting, and it clipped where the cart was. And so it was pushing the cart Ooh. into my ribs, and it wasn't hitting the sensor, and I couldn't reach the buttons to stop it. And it was actually crushing me, and it was to the point where I couldn't breathe. Um, and luckily a nurse came by and saw that the door was still cracked a little bit and waved her hand in front of the sensor. I was like, what's going on? And it like shot uh, off of me. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what would have happened if I had to go down four floors with that because I actually wasn't breathing at that point.
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: And, a, and literally no one else was in the building. <laughs> like no one, Yeah, on Christmas at a retirement home, crushed by a cart <laughs> full of dirty dishes. That, it's a dangerous job. I didn't realize it till now. There's but. dangers there. Okay, so any, any, anything else you did
1: while you were uh, – I mean, and I'm assuming throughout this whole time you're still playing shows. you Yeah, a band. absolutely.
2: I had a – well, also at that job, that was when I was in early bands. It was before the Wonder Years. But the – it got to a point where somehow like one of the guys – one of the bosses – only like three bosses – and one got fired for bringing a gun to work. And I don't remember like the details on that, but he, he claimed that he needed a place to store it. But we are like, you can't have a fucking gun here, you idiot. What are you thinking? <laughs> and one of the bosses didn't work weekends. or And so it ended up being that on the weekends, there was no boss for like three months. They just didn't hire a new person. And the the, the senior person in charge was this dude, John Farmer, who was like this 18-year-old guy that I was friends with. And it got to a point where no one was showing up to work except for this core group of people. It was me and John Farmer and uh, people that I'm still friends with, Krista and BJ. And we would all go in and no one else would show up to work because there was no boss. And so it was really hard work for a while. But then the whole day in between meals was ours. And we just ran around this retirement home and just would like knock on people's doors and run away and go on the roof and like throw things off and watch it explode from four stories up. and. And uh, just really whatever we yeah. wanted to do. And it was it was fun, honestly. Um, and after that job- I, I see that like as a movie montage. Yeah. I very briefly worked. I, it only lasted like two weeks as one of the people in the mall that asks you to take a survey. That was a weird job. Because I didn't realize there were like rules to it. Like I didn't know you had to stay in the center of the mall. So I would just- Yeah, walk what, are, what are the rules? Really, it just comes down to you can't leave this one area. Um in like the center circle of the mall and you can't approach people that like they have to be of a certain age. When you get someone to actually talk to you, you're like, okay, awesome. (laughs) But then they have to meet this long series of criteria. Like, are you between this age and this age? Are you male or female? Did you go to college or didn't you go to college? Is your household income between this and this? Uh Are you married or are you unmarried? Oh do you have gosh. kids or you do not have kids? Do you, if you have kids, you have more than this amount of kids and so, if on like the off chance you got someone to stop and give you the time of day, the odds that they fit your criteria were so slim and then also there was this weird like beef between us and the people that worked at the jewelry stores that were trying to pull people in to buy like engagement rings, and the people that like everyone in the center of the mall had to try to get people to talk to them and uh And so, like, everyone hated everyone else that had to do that because they were stealing your potential person. And you were supposed to be able to offer them $3, which is an insane amount of money to offer someone for, like, 40 minutes of their time anyway. Like, who gives a shit (laughs) about $3? They're probably busy. Yeah. But my boss, who – also, there's a weird story with her, but – but she had spent all of the money on getting lunch, so all of that float was gone. So she was berber. like she was like, you can't offer them money either. So like why would they do this? Who has that kind of time? And she one day, uh my me and my friend got the job there at the same time, and she like broke down in front of him one day, and apparently, and this is insane, and I don't know I still am not sure I totally believe him on this, but this is what he told me. She was from Um I can't remember the name of the country. She was from a former Soviet country. Okay. And she moved here. And when she got here and got citizenship, someone from her country's mafia moved here and made her marry him so that he could have citizenship and threatened to have her whole family back in her home country murdered if she didn't stay married to him. And she was afraid that, like she was it was just like this insane story and I'm like holy shit are you fucking with me right now do we go to the police for Does this that... or like do I call interpol no they own the police man yeah that's the thing <laughs> she cuz chris was like should i go tell someone and she was like no you can't tell anyone that's even worse for me uh so that's it was like it's like a story that like kind of haunts me now like thinking like was he serious is that real and if so like i hope that, that woman is okay I
1: hear also might have stories. been a lie, yeah, I know I kind of believe the mafia stories because i've I've heard a few of them from like firsthand, like people who have dealt with them, especially like like the one like like in Vegas mm-hmm. when they go to Vegas, and there are some crazy people like i i I'm, I don't
2: think you're that crazy though if you're listening like i I think I think you're lovely, yeah, you're probably great, but if you're in the mafia, I mean I'm not here to judge you, yeah, that <laughs> just uh, trying to kill anybody seems like a that, really mean thing to do. Listen, any mafia related people that are listening to this show, there's a more peaceful way to do that. Yeah. I'm just saying. Just think about it. You don't have to make any decisions right now. And I don't expect you to trust me, but just just think about it. Just speak to people with reason. Yeah. Sit them down, maybe, you know,
1: share a cocktail and uh... don't threaten the lives of their family. Yeah. Easy. All right, I think we just solved yeah. the mafia problem. Nice. You're welcome, federal government. <laughs> it was that it was that easy for us. Um, All right, so we're going to take a quick break And I also want to talk to you about uh, The Wonder Years Sure, absolutely, yeah, let's do that Um, too So we'll we'll take a quick break, we'll be back Right after this Hey kiddies, good news New podcast, me and Mark Garagos Reasonable Doubt, out Now Subscribe on iTunes or go to AdamCarolla.com He's great Well, you know me And we are great together, so enjoy Hey guys, just want to remind you about Citrix GoToMeeting. Think about the time, money, and hassle it takes to hold a meeting. You don't want any of that. That's why my recommendation, meet your clients and coworkers online with Citrix GoToMeeting because it's the smarter way to meet. GoToMeeting makes it easy to meet with your team whenever you need to, wherever you are. Because with GoToMeeting, you can meet from any computer, tablet, or smartphone without travel expenses, the hassle of traffic, getting dressed, I mean... You don't you don't have to do any of that. Your team can join by clicking a link. No sign-ups. No speed bumps. Just turn your webcam on with HD quality. It's like being in the room. You can share your screens to present, review, and get feedback in real time. And because with GoToMeeting, everyone sees what you're seeing, so the team can get on the same page and get going. Uh, you can edit each other's documents. It's a really, really great way to get some face-to-face time with uh, your coworkers and not actually have to be in the same room and travel Oh, it's so much nicer. So I want you to sign up for GoToMeeting today. Try it free for 30 days and you have nothing to lose. Visit GoToMeeting.com and click the Try It Free button. Do it now and have your first meeting up and running in minutes. That's GoToMeeting.com for your free 30-day trial. A free 30-day trial. Come on. And now enjoy the rest of the interview with Dan Campbell from The Wonder Years. and we're back thank you so much uh, we didn't go anywhere around oh well i i there's I'll gonna put be it, like a thing I'll that goes in post. there yeah i really <laughs>
2: like i really like the idea that that's like actually how you do it and there's nothing that happens in between it's like we're gonna take a quick break and it's like literally a beat and then we're yeah. back
1: yeah maybe i won't even put anything in post we'll just we'll just i'll just play this whole episode in real time
2: but just roll that and then we'll put an ad at the end yeah no i, I have to put it in actually now but um, what's in an ad for
1: uh, Go to meeting by C- by Citrix.
2: Oh, I see commercials for them all the time. Yeah, they're awesome. Should it kind of works with the idea of the show being resume and it being like a business tool. Yeah, that's cool. All right, so the Wonder Years. Well, actually, before we get into the Wonder Years, um,
1: just a one more quick question about being a surveyor at the mall because okay, I sure I when I walk through the mall and those guys try to try to pull me in, you mm-hmm. know, I I turn my walking speed up about fifty percent. Oh, I'm yeah. like yeah, hey, okay, thanks. I got to break into good? a sprint now. <laughs> yeah. Um. What are the best ways to avoid them without insulting them? Um,
2: I don't know. I think that I liked the people that would just say, Hey, I'm really sorry. I just don't have the time. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay, that's fair yeah. enough.
1: And, and you still give them like, you still
2: acknowledge them. Yeah. Like, Hey, I uh, recognize that you're a human and that this is your job. And, uh, I just can't do it. You know what would be a good thing to do? just lie to them and be like, Hey man, I had that job once. Uh and so I, I know that you got to talk to me but I really got to go. And uh oh. yeah. Which works sometimes and doesn't work other times for certain jobs like uh at Disneyland. I told Donald Duck. I was like, "Oh, I it's, it must be really hot, but like I feel you cuz I was Chuck E. Cheese and he was like mad about it. Uh Donald was like I like, didn't want to didn't want anything to do with Chucky. E. But uh <laughs> But for the most part, I think if people understand. He broke
1: character. Did he speak through? No, he didn't
2: speak, but he just kind of like shook his head and walked away. (laughs) And, uh, but if. I would say if you can find a way to like commiserate with them, they're probably a little like, oh, okay, that guy was nice. Yeah, show show a little bit of empathy. Yeah. And, uh, or just, you know, dip around the back so they don't see you. It's, It's when they engage you and you ignore them like they don't exist is when it's, uh, we used to. Because you couldn't like yell at them for that. So I would just give like backhanded compliment. Like someone would I'd be like, Excuse me, ma'am, can you and she'd walk by and I'd be like, I really like that hat. Very Australian outback of you as she was walking away. And just that was my I got a little dig in. I left after like two weeks. That was a bad job. <laughs> this is not an easy job.
1: have you, have you ever blown up on any anybody, like like customers or anything? Have you ever These seem uh, like a pretty good head on your no, shoulders? No, the only
2: time I've ever uh, gotten into like a, a real thing with any work related things. I I got invited to. So my boss at the retirement home found out. Like the new chef found out that I was sung in a band, and he wanted me to come to karaoke night. And I was like, that's fine. And I showed up, and he was shit hammered drunk. <laughs> and I I don't drink, and I'm uncomfortable around drunk people because I can't. I feel like I can't predict their actions, and uh, I get really kind of like tense around it. And he was like, you got to go sing a song. So I went up, and I, I sung. Um, Hey, jealousy by the Jim Blossoms, mm. and I came back and he's like, "You gotta do another one, man. I want to hear your voice, man, your fucking voice." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, I just sung, but okay." And I went up and I I sung Brick by Ben Folds, and um, oh wow, and I was I was really bummed at the time, like I I had just. I just got out of like a, like a high school or like late, late high school relationship, and I was just like a sad guy. And sing Brick? And, well, um, uh, that aside, uh, a girl came up and started talking to me, and I just was uninterested. She was like, oh, you were really good. And I was just like, I just thank you. I just, I'm, I'm very <laughs> sad. I don't want to talk to you. Um, and he was really adamant. He was like, you got to get her number. And I'm like, I really don't want her number, man. I really would like to go. I really want to go home. And he had stolen my phone out of my jacket, and was like, "You don't get your phone back so you get her number." And I was getting really mad at him, mm-hmm. really mad, and I was like, "Well, how am I going to get her number without my phone, dude?" And he was a like, good point, and gave me my phone, and I started leaving, and he grabbed like my like sweatshirt and tried to tear me back, and he ripped it, and I just like freaked out and grabbed him like, "This is my boss. I grabbed him by the throat and jacked him up against the bar and was like, just about to hit him. <laughs> And I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so unbelievably fucking fired right now."
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh, my friend Mikey was there, and, and he was like, "Dude, I don't know what I was supposed to do. Like, I almost just hit him to hit him. Like, I don't, I had no idea what to do to help you here." And I was like, "Oh my god, oh, okay." And I just like put – I let him go and I just walked out and left. And uh, the next day at work, I came in and no one said anything. And the next day at work, I came in and no one said anything. But our other boss, Jay, was there. And Jay thought it was the funniest fucking thing in the world and told everybody there. And um, this dude, Eric, that uh, I'm still – I'm actually still friends with, took this the guy told him – to do something and th- this guy was like much bigger than me too so it was like embarrassing for him because i'm not a big guy and i'm not an mm. angry guy yeah and I'm not a violent guy and I, uh, that would look so odd and uh and he told me to do something and He was like and he was just like yo you keep telling me to do shit like that i'm gonna have soupy beat your ass again and he exploded and i was like now i'm fired i still didn't get fired <laughs> the big boss <laughs> thought it was funny so i was all good it must <laughs> take a lot then if that if that doesn't do it yeah absolutely well, i don't think he maybe he didn't have the the power yeah. to because the other boss thought it was the funniest
1: thing oh yeah i've i've never been fired um I, i've i remember i had a manager get mad at me like it was at one of the restaurants i worked at and she she told me i was fired but she didn't and then uh realized she didn't have the power to fire me afterwards mm-hmm. so it was quite awkward when i showed up the next day and oh yeah because um because i remember going home thinking i was fired and then uh, I get the call from the owner, like, yeah, she didn't the power to fire you. I don't know why you're fired. Come back. Yeah. But, like, we have a meeting tomorrow. And I came back to the meeting, and yeah, it was just...
2: Like, what you did you tell do to... that made her so mad? Um,
1: <laughs> I, uh, I was a server, mm-hmm. and they, she, conv- she was convinced I was a terrible server, which I don't think I was. I, I thought I was pretty good myself, um, but I, I was also simultaneously working on this job now. Okay. It was like when I, uh, I was I was you know working on the Adam Carolla show, so she she could she felt like my heart wasn't in it because I already had another job. I don't know whose heart
2: is in that. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a heart in it job. Yeah,
1: your heart's not in it. But so I was working uh, both jobs, and she told the well what what I realized was I wasn't getting sat at all, like or I would get sat at like a party of one mm-hmm. or like a party of two, and then everybody else would get like and you know the more people there, the more uh, the bigger the check tip, is, yeah. usually the bigger the tip. And, um, so I was realizing like other people are getting put sat parties at six, like twice in a row, they would skip me. And then, so I finally, uh, uh, finally came up to her, confronted her and asked like, Hey, is there a reason why I'm getting skipped? And for about two weeks straight, she just didn't no, no, that's just the way they're coming in, I guess. And then I find, and then it just started happening. I looked at like the host cause they would write down what tables went to where. Mm-hmm. And I saw that I was getting skipped and I finally just said, Hey, I have the paper here. Look, I'm totally getting skipped. And she, 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 it's in her off. She shuts the door and she looks at me. She like turns off the nice uh persona that she had. She's like, All right, I was skipping you. You're right. And I'm just thinking, Why? Yeah. And she says, uh, Well, I mean, you just, it's just, you're, you're not in here as often as everybody else because you have that other job. And, it just—it doesn't seem like you're really into it. Plus, you look flustered all the time. You're always flustered, and it—and it, um—and then I always just see you standing around in the back. And I thought those two statements just contradicted each other. Like either I'm f- super flustered or I'm just hanging out in the yeah, back. And maybe I'm hanging out because I don't have any goddamn tables. Yeah, which is which is the truth. But um, you know, I could have—I guess I could have been wiping down something. So, um, and I—I th- I just thought it was so unfair and i couldn't believe it and she like did it privately because she didn't want anybody else to know like yeah i am skipping you yeah like i told them i love that like
2: how dare you not care about these fajitas <laughs> and how and how dare you question my all knowing authority yeah. on who should get what table
1: and, and the worst like, part a was
2: god complex at a tgi fridays yeah
1: and, and the worst part was i didn't do a poor job like in fact like, I want to say three or four times that week, customers have requested to see the manager to compliment me mm-hmm. or, you know, or they'll tell the hostess, like, oh, Chris is great, blah, blah, blah. So I blew up. Like, I was just like, this is bullshit. And I, I, I opened the door. And and so everybody could hear him like, this is bullshit. So you are skipping me and you just admitted it, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I can't believe this. And all the servers in the kitchen just like turning their heads, like watching at me, yelling at the manager, which I, I mean, I guess was it was a poor idea at the time. But I was so heated. Yeah, and And there's
2: another TGI Fridays. Yeah, yeah. Even if you get fired, this one actually
1: actually wasn't a TGI Fridays, but um, but, I mean, it it, it felt like it was. And so I I remember I was just so heated, and uh, and she's just like, you know what? Don't even bother coming in
2: tomorrow. You're fired. And then she she found out you couldn't fire you. very funny. (laughs) Very funny. I'm the worst uh, patron of restaurants because I like to be out of there. Like I think like servers assume that you want to hang. No, but I, I like being out. Yeah. So, like, when my food is out, like the next time they come by, I would like the check. Yeah, and uh, and so <laughs> I'm never always, happened. Uh, yeah, I'm always like, oh man, I really really want to go home. Like, I really want to go home. Thinking about other things I want to do today, and the check is like never <laughs> coming. And I'm like, like tapping my fingers. Oh yeah, yeah. Just uh, just getting and just... super anxious and, and antsy. I'm
1: uh,
2: not. A, <laughs> I'm not a great uh that's why i like red robin because i can just pay when i'm done oh yeah they have, they have, like, the, they have the machine yeah. at the uh at the table because yeah. a lot of restaurants are doing that now. yeah I, I like i like just being able to be like oh time to leave yeah i can leave will be all the check please yeah but
1: yeah it, it's uh it's hard like i i mean i always appreciate service and like i feel uh like what you said like when you when you talk to the people who do the surveys like i was one of you like i sit at a restaurant and i kind of uh, feel like I have to show them a, 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 a different res- respect. Oh, for sure. You
2: know, because like I said, we I worked in food. It just I wasn't a server. I was in the back end of yeah. it. Yeah, and uh, and so I always, you know, I'm ne- I'm never even if I didn't like my experience, I'm always going to tip well, just because I know it sucks.
1: Yeah. Did you um did
2: did you eat the pureed food that you made? You had to taste it. Yeah, usually. Um I you'd have to li- just like a little bit to make sure that it was as you oh, of course. As you you have to
1: taste your what your creations.
2: Uh but I wouldn't do it if it was I've never eaten fish in my life, so I wouldn't do it if it was fish. Oh. You just I I, was, I have I a was... weird thing with fish. I just don't I think it's weird. I think it's a creepy. Really? <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm I'm just a weird guy. <laughs> no no, it's not when weird when it at all. I know food.
1: I know plenty of people like that. I just uh I feel like you're missing out.
2: Uh yeah. I mean I, I <laughs> I'm sh- literally sure that I am. But I uh have like a ton of food anxiety. There's a lot of things I don't eat. Is it uh, when you
1: eat? Do you have to ask what it is? Oh like, yeah, and like I, I need to know like
2: every ingredient in it.
1: So uh, you you won't take a bite if you don't know what it is. No way. Oh, see, I'm I'm the exact opposite, I, and I kind of take pride in being able to eat whatever. Oh, uh, my girlfriend's whatever. the same way. She'll eat anything. <laughs> I uh, I just can't do it. All right, we haven't talked about uh, the Wonder Years as much as I as I would have liked. So let's, sure. let's 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 talk about a little bit more about that because. I mean, that's what you do now. That is that's what I your do job. Now. Yeah, and you have a new album coming out, No Closer to Heaven, out September fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, love the artwork. Thank on you. That, by the way, uh,
2: a guy named Mike C from Florida did that. Looks amazing. He did like, a wonderful job. Yeah. The inside panels are even cooler, I think. And uh, so we, I, uh, I'm
1: gonna play a track from it after the show instead of the usual resume theme song, so you guys can hear uh, Dance Pipes. And uh, and really hear like what how how great this track is and uh, the track that I'm going to play is called Cigarettes and Saints. I watched the music video. Great, you guys have really good music videos. You have that the one for Cardinals. Thank you. Yeah, uh, where you're running
2: uh, down the street with that was really hard to do. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kevin Slack directed that one, and um, and Jeremy from a band called Driver Friendly directed the video for Cigarettes and Saints. Yeah, that that video was great. Um, and you had two drummers, which which I thought was really interesting. How did yeah. that come about? Well, we have uh, our guitar player. We actually have three people in the band that are really, really good drummers. That could easily be the drummer of our <laughs> band or many other bands. Um, and uh, so what happened is we were demoing that song. And the way we were demoing it was there was one room that had all of the guitars in it. And they were all playing together. And... Uh, uh, yeah, they just, they face the guitars at the walls and they kind of like close mic them. And so there's not a ton of to bleed, mm-hmm. but then the drums would have bled really bad. So the drums were in another room and I was in the hallway between the two with a, a vocal mic, um, to demo it out. Right. Right. So we're doing the demo and it worked that the mic that I was singing into was picking up the drums too. And it gave the drums this weird kind of like delayed effect on mm-hmm. them. I mean, well, that sounds really cool. It sounds like there's two drum sets. Why don't we just have Matt halfway through the song give me his guitar cuz I can play the guitar and he'll move to a second drum kit and I'll play his guitar part through the ending and he'll play the other drum part. And you do that live? Uh we haven't played the song live yet but we, okay. will, we will be doing it live, yeah. So you're bringing a whole other kit out just just for that one song? Yeah. Uh That's awesome. It's it's not a it won't be a full kit, it'll be uh kick snare hat ride probably.
1: Yeah. Are they playing so that they're playing essentially the same thing just it just it just sounds bigger
2: no they're they're doing different things uh but the differences are are kind of subtle but if you watch them both um there's a couple parts where like you know one of them will be in the hi-hat one will be on the floor tom and one's doing a snare roll and one's doing a beat and uh it i think it just adds a depth to it but for people that aren't um particularly like musical they just like music but aren't really interested in the process of creating it or have done that before. They might not even notice there's two drum kits going unless they see the video or see it live.
1: Well, it's a great video. What I, Another thing I really like about this song and is your use of dynamics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a lot of quiet, loud, quiet, loud, quiet building tension to, like, huge. Yeah. And um, I remember reading, like, an article a couple years ago about, yeah, it was called, like, The War on... I want it's not dynamics, but it's like, but basically, it'd show like different waveforms, like the audio waveforms of different songs, and you would see like a lot of the songs these days are just one a block, yeah, block straight across, yeah. And um, I looked at yours because I, I have it on the program, which I'm going to be, I'm going to play it after after the show. And yeah, you can actually see the nuances, like where it's quiet, where it gets loud, and you really uh, not a lot of bands are doing that these days, which which bums me out because I love. Like like Nirvana did it a lot, and mm-hmm. they just uh, I love being able to hear a song really explode, and you guys are able to do that in spirit. Yeah, Saints. and that's the
2: that's the moment that a song really hooks me is when I'm like, oh, when like when there's a moment where I'm like, oh shit, that was so cool. Um, one of the focuses for us on this record was to write varied songs. Like we wanted to. I think that I think when you're listening to a record. That a lot of records even can end up looking like almost one long loud waveform. Like it is two guitars, it's bass, it's drums, it's vocals, and it is at eleven the whole time. <laughs> um, we are interested in having parts of the record where your ears almost get a rest, and you can kind of feel this ebb and flow of the the record. To me, should ebb and flow, and the songs inside of the record should ebb and flow as well. And so, the other thing was we wanted to do that. What's cool about cigarettes and saints is there is no verse. And there is no chorus and there is no bridge and there is no intro and there is no outro. It is just parts of a song. Yeah it's it's all naturally evolving in and out of itself, um without any kind of strict songwriting construct. Yeah, it's not the usual pop format. Yeah, there there is there's almost no formula to that song. It it's like, uh there's it's kinda like there's like a verse part-ish kind of and then the other guitar comes in and i'm singing a similar melody but different and then we go and it gets loud and then it goes quiet and it's kind of post rocky and then it's building and then you just like there's not it's not like that's the chorus because there there is none
1: but it still felt like it was it's driving we'll we'll listen to it in a, yeah in a i say bit, that but...
2: and that might sound like it's meandering but i don't think it's meandering i think it's very purposefully evolving yeah no
1: it, it does it's it, it... Every part of it still is there for a reason, it, and it, it, it flows really, really nicely. In um, writing a whole album, how do you attack that? Because you say you don't write songs by themselves. Like, you don't write as a like, a pop song. But mm-hmm. So how do you mold a whole album uh, rather than just writing, like, a song and then just throwing that,
2: like, all right, next song? Well, we definitely, I mean, we will write a song, but we'll figure out how that song fits into the general construct. Um, and for me, lyrically, a lot of it's about, like, What themes do I want to touch on? How do I want to touch on them? How do I want those themes spaced across the record and how I want to tie them together? Um, Excuse me. Uh, And then for us, musically, sometimes it'll be as simple as, hey, I wrote these lyrics. They are very sad. It should be a quiet song. Um, Or, hey, I wrote these lyrics. They feel very triumphant. It should be kind of a loud... um, kind of sing along e type of song. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can dictate it. But what ends up happening is we write some songs and we figure out how those would fall into the construct of it. And then we say, okay, well, we could really use this kind of a song. Does anyone have anything... Because we all write. So does anyone have anything that they can play us that would fit this concept loosely? And we'll yeah. see if that can add to the record. What does the record need? Because it's almost like... um it's almost like you're cooking something, right? And you're like, the album is the dish, and and what does it need? Does it need more of this? Does it need more of this? Because we want the whole dish to be palatable, not just the ingredients that are in it. Yeah, and then it's pureed into a wonderful. And then yeah, we and album. then we're gonna puree it, and then you're gonna eat it like ice cream. <laughs> and uh, I read that you had some pretty crazy writer's block. Yeah, I was having some problems with it. This record, uh, really, I spent a couple of months just very frustrated and, and really down on myself as a, a writer. Um and there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, expectation plays into it a lot and I'm, you know, we have a couple of records that are out and there is a fan base that exists mm-hmm. and it's not like it used to be where it was just I'm going to do whatever I want, no one's going to listen to it anyway. Yeah. You want people to like it. You know, it's it's my job not just to create songs, but to create songs that we love and to create songs that our fans love. That's, that's those are all parts of the job and we want to do that well. Um so expectation came into to play especially because we had done a thing over the last few records and that thing was done. And uh and that that theme was wrapped up and so it was like, well, I have to what's the new theme? Like what is the new thesis? What am I trying to to say? Um I wanted to do some different stuff what we want to do every record is that we want to do th- something that's different but that feels like the same band is doing it. Yeah. Um because you know, you and I talked about all those bands, you and I are music fans, right? Yeah. So I remember how I felt when a band would put out a record and I was like, This is the same exact record. This uh, is such pandery yeah. bullshit. You didn't try anything new. You just said, Oh, our fans like that, let's just do it again. Which is um, why I like Deja. So yeah, much. De- and Deja, was a, Deja is a shining example of something that can be replicated very few and far between. It's, it's very hard to make the jump from Your Favorite Weapon to Deja yeah. and have everyone go, this is still incredible. Um, <laughs> but then a lot of bands also would go the total opposite way and say, I'm going to write this fucking bluegrass record or something. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, that's not why I listen to you. <laughs> it could be good and it could stand on its own merit as being good. But it is not the band that I signed up for. Yeah. So there's this really fine line of finding what is the band that you are. How what is what is it? What makes you you? But then how can you do you in a different way? Something that's new and fresh.
1: Um, and your think think about it, your audience is getting older too. They're, absolutely, they're growing they wanna, up with you, so. and they want
2: to evolve with us for sure. Uh, and so I ended up I have this really unfair advantage um, because a lot of my favorite lyricists are also my best friends. <laughs> And a lot of people don't, you know, that are dealing with writer's writer's block don't get that uh, that leg up on things. But I got to call the guys from Fireworks and Hostage come and Let Live in early November and and say, "Help, help, help yeah. me, <laughs> help me."
1: Um, what What were some of the things they said? Because we can be a resource for for
2: anybody who's having trouble. Creatively. For sure. Well, one of the one of the biggest things was them saying, "This is a, this is the thing that you're good at." Like this is what it is that is – they they kind of help me remember what it is that makes my lyrics my lyrics. And so we had – I've used this metaphor before, but I might as well just use it again because I think it's a decent metaphor. We were building houses. Every record is a house. And the last three records prior to this one were concurrent in their theme. And so it was like one of those new <clears throat> kind of like prefab neighborhoods where like a, a developer is like, I'm going to build this the these houses and everyone – Buys them and they, they buy them before they're built and when you buy them uh, they're thematically very similar but they're all different because different people are living in them and they, they can make their changes and have everything there but those were three houses that were in the same neighborhood and for this record we wanted to move out of that neighborhood so it's like okay well if we're not in that neighborhood how do we retain us um, and I think it's about pouring the same foundation like you're still building the house the way that you know how to build a house, even if it's not going to look like those other houses, there's still you in that house. Uh, you still have to build it on that solid foundation. And so that's kind of a lot of what they helped me with. Um, and then some more nuanced stuff. And yeah. and I would send them lines and go, do you like this line this way or this way? Um, uh-huh. uh, and But they were really helpful in, in kind of helping me just gain some confidence. Because a lot of writer's block is you lose confidence in yourself. Um, and then you get frustrated and that, that cycle perpetuates itself and so they helped me kind of break that cycle
1: well uh, they did a great job because uh, the lyrics uh, your lyrics are really great especially like the line um, I'm sure there ain't a heaven but that don't mean I don't like to picture you there and I'll bet you're bumming cigarettes off saints which yeah. is what you're gonna you guys are gonna hear in a little
2: bit that's one of my favorite my favorite ones on the record I'm sure there ain't a heaven but that don't mean I don't like to picture you there Yeah, I, I love that uh a bum and cigarettes of saints. That's like, you know, and that's obviously where the song title came from, and it, it ended up being on the cover art. And it, it's just one of my favorite lines on the record, for sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, So you know, let's let's uh, let's get into that. Let's. I'd love for everybody to hear what
2: you do. Now. Sure, absolutely. I hope that uh, listeners like it. This is an interesting podcast because it's not like I'm not I, like I just did uh, Alex and Jack from All Time Low have one called Full Frontal, and I just did that. But that's like everyone listening to that is so aware of this world, whereas you're, you're kind of like it's not just about music or it's not just about the, so listeners of this podcast may not know who our band is at all. So I'm yeah. interested to and,
1: and what the I, song. And what I like is it, you know, it kind of introduces you, everybody, new people, new things, but, um, just what, what in reality, a lot of the paths to success are somewhat the same as far as just work hard and, uh, and just, and just really
2: believe yeah. in it. Aziz yeah, Ansari, uh, said this on the Nerdist podcast once he was, he was talking about how he was like, when you meet successful people, it's like, they're usually pretty nice, and that's because in order to be successful, it's like, well, there's talent involved, and there's luck, and there's drive, but then it's so – there's so few people that can succeed in a, a world like that that even if you're really good and worked really hard and got lucky enough to be in a position to succeed, if you're addicted to people – there's somebody else that they would rather have in that position, and so uh, I agree. It's it's uh, to get to where you need to be. There's a little bit of luck, but it's a lot of talent, and it's a lot of hard work, and it's a lot of just trying to be nice to the people around you. Yeah, and uh, can can have a nicer guy on the show. So uh, thank you, thank you for having yeah, me, man. Thanks, uh, Dan? For, I was just gonna say for people listening, if you hear and have not heard our band before, uh, like we were talking about this this record is is pretty dynamic, and this is definitely a slower quieter one for us mm-hmm. um maybe so maybe not totally indicative of the band as a whole but i would if you like it i would recommend checking out some other stuff and, and experiencing more of it
1: and also i'm gonna put uh both your music videos up at the, on the website chrisloxhamana.com so when you're listening to the show uh, check out the episode page i'll put up both music videos from the new record and uh, and just go on youtube and watch these guys play live i mean they play they have a ton of energy, even just like sitting in
2: my living room watching the videos, I I felt like I was there. It was, it oh, was yeah. really good. And that energy. goes back to you and I talking about the bands that we loved growing up in, and and when we put on a live show, we want it to be the best night of your year. We want you to come <laughs> to the show and watch it and remember it for the next decade. Like that was like I like I remember a taking back Sunday show like that, oh, yeah. those kinds of things. And so uh every night on stage we're trying to do everything we can to put on a show that makes you think like that was the best show I've seen this year. That, yeah. And uh, and, it, and it's mostly about the passion of the band on stage. That's what made it what it was. Um, and we're on tour this fall in the U.S. with Motion City Soundtrack and State Champs and You Blew It. And that's going to be a lot of fun.
1: All right. So the best show of your year. If you guys want it, go to thewonderyearsband.com and check out their tour dates. Uh, they're playing around uh, all over the U.S. Motion City Soundtrack, great band. And, um, yeah, check out their album, No Closer to Heaven, out September 4th. I'm going to play a track off it. And uh, this album is very, not just the song, but the whole album, very dynamic, very different styles. Uh, so I'll put both of them, uh, he, they released two music videos um, over the summer. So I'm going to put those up on the website. So please watch those. Uh, follow the band on Twitter at TWY Pop Punk. And uh, follow Dan at Head Above Water. And uh, let them know you like the show and uh, give them some love. Uh, once again, if uh, you like the show, uh, want to purchase the podcast theme song, go to iTunes uh, and search resume podcast theme. Um, anything else, Dan? Oh, just
2: thanks for having me and thanks for listening and uh, good luck calling out of work.
1: <laughs> All right. So I think that's that's pretty much it. Uh, com. <laughs> click the Amazon banner. Enjoy this tune, Cigarettes and Saints. Oh, and also thank you so much for everybody writing in uh, through com. I want to read some of your letters live If uh, So let's just How about you guys email me some of the crazier jobs You've had in uh, any cool stories and I'll, and I'll read some during the uh, water cooler episodes Coming soon uh, Once again, I'm Chris Loxmana. Thank you Dan for coming in Enjoy the song Cigarettes and Saints Off the album No Closer to Heaven Out September 4th And uh, we'll let you know
0: Twice a week I pass by The church that held your funeral And the pastor's words Come pouring down like rain How he called you a sinner And said now you walk with Jesus So the drugs that took your life Aren't gonna cause you any pain I don't think he even And I refuse to merely pray. I won't remember you that way. I'll lit you a candle in every cathedral across Europe. And I hope you know you're still my patron saint. I try to forgive But I can't forget the cigar in his fist Well, I know that they were heart sick But I need someone to blame And I know how they blame me I know what you'd say You'd tell me it was your fault I should put all my arrows up But that don't mean I don't like to miss you i will best you.